hope you've been doing well. Fabulous, actually. I hope you've been fabulous and you're healthy and your families are healthy. Everybody's staying safe, feeling protected. God is with you. God is for you. God knows you and God loves you completely because he's fabulous too. (laughs) Anyways, I'm back. I had to take some time away, but I am back and I am feeling good and I am so excited to talk to you all about Jezebel tonight on this episode of the Married to Jesus podcast. Jezebel, you naughty girl. was she? Did she do it? What did she do? Who did she do it with? Is it true? Jez, what happened? What happened in her story? Was it uh, Colonel Mustard in the library with a candlestick? I mean, where did this all go down that this story is in the Bible for God to teach us about it? Jezebel and her wicked husband, King Ahab. Whatever happens next in this story, as we talk about this character, the one thing we all know about her is that she was angry. She was angry. Again, who was the murderer? Was it Mrs. Peacock in the the kitchen? With Professor Plum? I do not know, but we are going to find out tonight all about Jezebel and her story. And does she succeed in her murderous plot? Oh yeah, there's lots of drama in the Bible and you came to the right place to hear this story about this woman and what happened to her. Here's where it all begins. 1 Kings chapter 21. Ahab came home one day to his wife and he was all downcast, sulking and displeased. And he was he felt this way because of something somebody had said to him. This person was Naboth, the Jezreelite, and Naboth refused to give King Ahab the land that he asked for. And so this is Ahab. He's coming home to his wife. And I'm mad because he said, I will not give thee the inheritance of my fathers. Which basically means like, no, you ain't, you ain't getting my money. <laughs> getting no, he doesn't say more my money. He never says he gave him money before. He says, you ain't getting no more of my money. <laughs> okay. And then he lays down. So like this guy is so upset. Ahab is so upset. He actually goes and lays down on his bed. He's pouting, right? So he's pouting at this point. And he turns his face away and he won't even eat. Like, I'm not coming. I'm not coming. I'm not coming to dinner. I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm just going to lay in bed and sulk. This is King Ahab. Just painting the picture clearly for everyone here. And now we see scene two in steps Jezebel. When she hears this as he comes home. And she says, why are you so sad that you haven't even eaten? Like, what has happened to you that you're not even eating? Like, wow. And he said to her, you know, what happened? 
I asked him for the, his vineyard. It was even going to give him some money. And, you know, that he would even, like, give him even more land. Like, he was bargaining with him. He was trying to make a deal with this guy. Like, he was trying to do business with him. And the guy would just have nothing to do with it, basically. He's like, no, this this belongs to me. <laughs> this belongs to me. Thank you. <laughs> and so, um, he's, he answers. And he says, no, basically, I will not give you my vineyard. <laughs> so, like, he, he lost that battle. He didn't like the way it ended. He comes home. He's complaining and moaning and whining to his wife. Now, this is where we figure out who she really is. She says, are you not the governor of the kingdom of Israel? (laughs) And then, to make matters worse, she follows that up with, oh, be happy. Let Let your heart be merry. Arise, have some food. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite. Like, oh. Who's going to mess with me? Oh, and it sounds a little innocent the way I'm saying it. But what was she thinking? Ooh, what was she thinking? That is always a key factor in court cases is intent. Was there intent? Was there premeditation? What was she thinking about? Is there a story that goes before this with her and Naboth? Well, Naboth's name actually means... It comes from a shorter word in Hebrew that, I mean, to me, I'm just going to be like knob. It sounds like knob, like a doorknob, but its definition means a priestly city. So she could be saying, prophetically speaking, this could be saying she's asking for God's people, for God's people. So if she is some sort of, you know, evil spirit representation in this story. I don't know. I don't have all the answers. I am studying like y'all at the same time. These are just questions that I'm asking, you know, like how much depth is there to God's word? And when women are not either the church, you know, the bride of Christ or God's people, Israel, what do they represent? Because we see here, we know Jezebel is a depiction of an angry woman. Okay. Okay. So it's it's a woman. I get it. But everybody feels angry. But what the keys to this spirit are that we see in this story is this particular spirit hates God's people. Naboth. A priestly city. It's a priestly city that she wants to steal from God's people. Really, she didn't even want to steal it. Her husband did. And she said, oh, I'll get it for you. Now, he was not able to legitimately go about attaining this city. His business deals fell through. He was turned down. And Naboth told him no. But he does not stop there. He pitches a fit, comes home, tells his wife. And that's where we see her evil plotting begin. Now, where were we with Jesse? Okay, so Jesse has this thought in response to her husband's bad mood. And then 
she takes and writes all these emails, basically, all these letters, but she's writing them for her husband in his name. She doesn't sign it her name. She signs it. That's like all you people who are working from home, your wife getting into your computer at night and doing some of your work for you, which I am sure is not happening. I am sure it is not, but obviously it could be. Who knows? God knows. That's who knows. All right. So, what happens next is she is going to get these letters out to other people in the city in his name. And obviously, these are other nobles, other elders, other influential people in the city. And basically, it's not even making a request. She, so she's not just making a petition, an honest plea, you know, um, a, a just cause to defend one's, you know, human, basic human rights. She sends it, she's not, she's not doing it legitimately is basically what I'm saying. She writes this letter and she basically, it's a letter backstabbing him and is like, I want to pay you two guys to set this guy up, to set these two men up, find two fellows, two base fellows and let them, so it takes two in, in those times, God, people, you couldn't just bring one person, one witness against a person. You had to bring, you had to bring cooperation of evidence. Um, so anyways, and they do, they basically set him up and this is what Jezebel asked, not just set him up. So he gets, you know, dies in a, in a knife fight outside of a bar or something, you know, it's like, they set him up to, and they actually bore witness against him. And then they wanted him to be drug out and stoned. That's what Jezebel requested. Drag him out and basically stone him to death. Stone him that he may die. Wow. I mean, can you really, do you ever really have that much hatred in you? That you want to kill another human life. All because you didn't get either a little money or a little land or a little promotion. You know, whatever form that money comes in. I mean, this chick is, she's, she's nuts. She's crazy. She wants to kill this man. And here's, here's the betrayal line she uses in this letter that she sent out. Because what's even crazier in this whole story is that all the men obey her. Everyone that she sent that letter to, of course, from her husband's email account, did exactly as she said. And you can see, you, as you read through the uh, 1 Kings 21, you can see, like, it is very clear what each party's intentions and decisions and actions were because like it's like they were passing each other notes back in this you know in a restaurant if you're watching a movie and it's like oh yeah yeah is he dead yeah he's dead <laughs> okay go go get the land all right all right yeah all right go get the land get up and get the you know get the vineyard we talked about i got it for you you know like she is this is this is what the bible says how this dialogue went and so he does he gets up he does he doesn't do it doesn't say the bible that he does happy dance but i'm pretty sure this guy had on his like Hugh Hefner looking robe and and bit and bath slippers and w- had just gotten fresh out of the shower, you know, after washing his hair, looking fresh and clean, like, okay, honey, I'll go get my vineyard you got for me. Like after killing a man all in the name of the Lord is what it says. Naboth, the, the lie was that people said that you curse God and the king. What? What? Wow. These base fellows, 
Naboth didn't know what was coming for him. And you know what? He'd lost his life. Like, this man actually died in this story. So, you know, we were talking about it like we didn't know it was going to happen. But guess what? God says exactly what's going to happen. And God put this story in the Bible for us to study. So that we are prepared. So that we are equipped. So that we know how to see who's after us, basically. Here is this worldly spirit. This woman has this spirit that as soon as her husband complains, he didn't get what he wanted. She only says the the words in the story, I'll get you that vineyard. But we see from her actions and then the deeds that are carried out that she intends murder. She intends to kill, to get what she wants. And really, not only to kill, but also to steal. She, her ultimate goal is to steal the land that she wants by killing the owner of that land. Here Jezebel asks, puts a hit on him. She puts a hit on Naboth, and Naboth is killed. He loses his land because this guy goes, you know, King Ahab and Jezebel are going to take it. But that is not where this story ends. There's more to us discovering what this woman's heart, her mind, and her spirit are really like. And that's where the next character in this story shows up. In those days... Elijah the prophet, the Tishbite, was dwelling in the land. So, then what happens next? This is where it all just really, I mean, it just goes really, really downhill from here, folks. Like, this is a very tragic story. So, we know Naboth is killed. And so then the Lord speaks to Elijah. Elijah shows up on the scene and basically pronounces judgment on him. And Ahab like definitely shows his true heart, his true intentions, and his real um, attitude towards authority when Elijah comes and, you know, gives a word from the Lord. Because Ahab, after, so Elijah pronounces the judgment of God on Ahab. And and then as soon as Elijah says this, Ahab basically just says to him, oh, so you have found me out, my enemy. I mean, like this guy has absolutely no fear of God. Ahab has no fear of God. Um, you know, this is God's divine authority, the prophet that has come and spoken a word to somebody. And and Ahab kind of just laughs him off, laughs in his face as if, like, who who are you to correct me? Who are you to tell me what to do? Who are you to tell me what's right from wrong? And that's really the spirit of the world is like, you don't get to tell me what's right and wrong. I get to decide what's right and wrong. But no, there is a holy God who determines right from wrong. There is a holy book that has laid down the laws of God that are eternal and what will always be good and true and right. It is a book of truth. It is a book that cuts and divides 
falsehood from truth, spirit from soul. I mean, it is a perfect work of art. It is a perfect piece of literature. It is a perfect scribe of of God's holy thoughts and mind and words. I mean, it is infallible. It is unbreakable. It is incorruptible. And God's word will change people. And no one can change God's word without being broken. So this is how Ahab responds to someone who comes in the name of the Lord, a known prophet, a known authority in the land, a known even judge in the land has come to this man's house to pronounce judgment, to expose his wicked deeds. And he, Ahab, Jezebel's husband, laughs him off. Now we're seeing not just the spirit. See, the, the woman gets the, gets the rap. Jezebel gets the bad name. Oh, Jezebel. I mean, like you hear preachers say that and talk like that, but, but half the time they're the ones drooling and slobbering after that beautiful woman because they tend to just put it on the pretty women and they don't realize it is the man, it is the head in this case, it is Ahab. It is his spirit that is coming from the top down into this woman. And he also has no reverential fear of God. He is living for himself. You know he's not saved. And you see, because he is submitted to the spirits of this world, to false gods, to the idol of his own belly, to his own whims and fancies, that his wife you know, who also doesn't know God is obeying him in all things instead of the Lord in all things. And they're willing to kill, steal, and destroy. Whose spirit is that? It is not God's to get what they want. And when someone comes and tries to tell them, thus saith the Lord, they laugh in his face. And that's not even where the story ends with Elijah. Because Ahab responds to Elijah this way. But Jezebel also basically has responded to Elijah before and like threatened to kill him. So this is the spirit that we see in Ahab and his wife Jezebel. Yes, they get found out. Ahab does, I mean, I think he eventually repents um, because he sold himself to do evil in the sight of the Lord. And he was incited by his wife, Jezebel. You know, they did commit detestable acts by going after idols. Um, So he repented after hearing these things. But this couple like just has an altogether bad rap in the Bible. They are not your couple you put on display and are like, oh, we should be like them. They're like, oh, no, you should not. You should definitely not be like them. And, and we see that as a recurring theme with this couple because it is, again, this worldliness that hates authority, that hates God's people, that wants to steal from God's people, that wants to rebel against authority, which, I mean, you don't go and steal your neighbor's property just because you want it. That's greed. That's entitlement. You are not entitled to things just because you want them. Folks, that's greed. Work for it, earn it, earn your keep, and you will respect yourself more than anyone else. And that is that will make you feel better than having all that stuff that you're 
that you're basically lustful for, that you're coveting, um, there is God's ways little by little. A workman is worth his keep. You should work to eat. I mean, God wants people to work. He will provide. He has. He's fair. He's given all mankind gifts and ways to provide for themselves. He gives us the power to get wealth. And he. it is not God honoring when we deceive each other or deceive um, God's people like Jezebel was doing or deceive others just to get what you want. Earn an honest, hard day's living. And if a business deal falls through or you don't get what you want, see God's close, see it as God's provision, as God's divine providence that that path might have killed me. That path might have ended up in a very bad place of, of no return. I mean, let's face it, folks. God was not protecting Ahab and Jezebel because their end is not good. They never walked in his ways. These weren't God's people. These were, these were worldly people of the world. They weren't saved. So... Let's be sensitive to what God is trying to show us in these stories. Sensitive in the fact that we have become sheep and people of God. But that doesn't mean the world and the world spirit has changed. We trust God. Not everybody trusts God in their business dealings. Not everybody asks God before they make every single decision. People of the world are still a lot like Ahab and Jezebel, and they will do anything to get what they want. So you, child of God, you need to be wise as a serpent. And being wise as a serpent starts with knowing that people really are that way. I mean, honey, I'm just as naive and innocent and fun-loving as the next girl, but my eyes have been opened that people can actually be like this. People can actually hate you so much that they want you dead. People can actually covet the things that you have so much that they would be willing to do anything to steal them from you because they are entitled and because they are greedy. They don't think that you should have what you have because they want it. And yeah, they'll diss you all day and they'll say bad things about you all day so long as you have those things. But as soon as you don't have them and they do, you're no longer a threat to them and they don't care. Wake up, children of God. This is what people, flesh, the flesh of man, the spirit of the world is really like. People are fickle and they change so long, you know, you're good and and you're popular one day and the next day they could be screaming curses at you. And what is their secret motive? A lot of times their own gain, their own benefit. Amen. They're portrayed as immoral kings and queens, immoral king and queen. And that's, they were, you know, worshiping other gods even is what it says in here. He had so many idols. And so the Lord, basically his wife did this. And she was a lot of times, you know, it sounds like she was just basically greedy. Um, what happens is that God actually, ha- this is, okay, now this is last part that I'm going to say. I would like to quote it from the enduringword.com because to me, it was one of the key pieces of information that we're trying to see here about what life, worshiping false gods, life, 
living in immorality, life just a life of wickedness and pleasure. These the, Ahab was like a lover of pleasure and self and sin. And he, I mean, he wasn't saved. Let's put it that way. We know he's not saved because he's comfortable in a lot of, of that worldliness. So anyway, so what happens is God judges Ahab for even his wife's actions because he got, I mean, it's not like, it's just like Adam again. Adam, you did not have to take the apple from your wife. Okay, buddy? I mean, we all know this story as well. Us women, we have brains too. We know we know what went down. We can we can read into it on our end as well. Because I mean, it happens. You did not have to listen to her. Like plenty of woman has been told no and loved it. So, anyways, what happens is Nah uh, not Naboth, Ahab basically also what you saw in the art in the garden Nahab partakes and he he's greedy and he wants this land and he didn't care what it cost what it costs other people around him he is going to take possession and so he does and that's when Elijah shows up and he says that um, what enduring word says and I quote that God clearly held Ahab responsible so all of his evil sins, he that his wife committed god clearly held ahab responsible for this sin as husband as king and beneficiary of this crime so god held the man responsible and here again enduringword.com says about this story first kings 21 is that god clearly held ahab not, I mean, it's another A word. It's not Adam. It's Ahab responsible for this sin as a husband. First, he failed his wife because I don't know if she was trying to be the decision maker or made the decision and he didn't even think about it. He just listened to her, you know, or it was a direct order. I mean, who knows what Adam was thinking when he was going through this in the garden? He just had the most beautiful creature on earth show up. Okay. His mind could have still been blown I'm just saying, folks, the Bible doesn't say that. I'm saying that. And I'm trying to make this podcast a little bit funny and a little bit hopeful because I feel like this story just is all around sad. I mean, the people in it, the characters, their lives, their hearts so bent on doing evil and being wicked. I mean, they're obviously probably do not have God's spirit and the love of God in their hearts because because they're they're hating they hate they murder they want to kill um and and you just that is obviously wrong please don't do it (laughs) so um anyways what what we also see is that you know jezebel was successful in her in her plot it was jezebel it was in the vineyard and it was premeditated and there was intent to kill and there were even hired hands that is this story it sounds like a scary movie because i'm pretty sure it is (laughs) so anyways boys and girls thank you um so much for listening to my podcast and here is the thing ahab does not have a good end he really doesn't um it is kind of sad. So let me just encourage you to not live a life of pleasure and sin, but to find your purpose, to figure out what you were made for, 
What are you put on planet earth to do? Who made you? Do you not know? Are you really not sure? Well, there is a God who created this world and created you and he loves you and he knows you and he knows everything about you and he's good and perfect and holy and he only wants good things for you. So I would encourage you to get to know him if you don't. His name is Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our savior. He is the savior of the whole world. He died for everyone's sins. And I hope you have enjoyed Jezzy, the story of Jez, old Jez. I have no idea why she was so wicked. Maybe it was because her husband was so wicked. I do not know. They obviously were only happy if they were getting what they wanted and living for self and living for pleasure and living for sin. Um... Elijah, however, really was still, you know, this was before he had a big, um, (laughs) he went and pouted in a cave after this. (laughs) So, um, but that's just men. Guys are sensitive. So don't try to kill them, ladies. Jezebel, take your hands off in Jesus' name and don't kill him. Ladies, honestly, he's not worth your life. You don't need to go to jail for any man. No matter what he wants you to do, say no. No, you are not willing to hurt people to get money. You are not willing to kill others. You are not willing to do whatever you have to do, throw people under the bus, whatever it is. You don't have to be that way. Um, Anyways, there is a way out and God loves you. You were created with a purpose. You were created for a reason. Jesus Christ died for your sins and he rose again to prove that we were set free of them and that we have his righteousness, none of our own. Jesus could have even saved Jezebel and Ahab. But honestly, I doubt, I doubt they ever got saved. I bet these two people never, never really gave their life to Christ, never came to know his love, And perhaps we will never even hear about them again once we get to heaven. Maybe we'll never even hear about and miss and be sad about the people who went to hell because they never accepted Christ. Maybe we won't even have that painful memory because heaven will be so wonderful, so perfect, so beautiful. Christ will be in full display and glory, crowned in honor. He will be, he will, he will be everything. He will be perfect We will need nothing, not even our flesh. God is coming back. Christ is coming back to rule. We will have, praise the Lord, the Lord's holy day of rest. And we will dwell in that place for a thousand years. This world is full of social distancing, putting up barriers between even you and your own household, your own family members, your own siblings, your own flesh and blood, your own children, telling them they can and cannot come home or be around you. I realize quarantine is necessary, but this is a free country still, I do believe. Um, So what I would like to say to everyone who is isolated and has been isolated for a very long time like me, with the exception of seeing my fabulous parents every now and then, um, is... There is a party in heaven soon, and we're all going to be there having a great time. We are all going to be in heaven. If you're saved, we are all going to be in heaven 
having a party and you're invited, you are invited to see the king at that party. This is your invitation. I am asking you to come. Come to Christ. Come to dinner. Come to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Y'all, I have never seen so many signs of God's judgment and even just the earth itself groaning and ready to give up its dead, literally, because the amount of sin that is in the world. This place was not created to be a place of sin. And all of creation is groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God who will rule, who will reign, who, like, uh, like Naboth, we own, we have an inheritance. We have land. We have a portion in Christ Jesus. And, and I don't blame Naboth. I was, I would straight try to protect the land too. No, it's mine. You cannot have it. No, you can't. No, you can't. (laughs) I mean, and here it's trying to be taken from him. So just know bad things do happen to good people because Naboth lost his life. But no matter what has happened, no matter how evil you even are or have been in your past, There is redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus can save you. Jesus can forgive any sin. And if you need a new head of household, if you have an amoral woman in your house or you have an amoral man that you are married to and you need a new head of household, you can marry Jesus. If you need a new man, you can marry Jesus. If you don't want that man, if you don't want to follow his leadership, but you're in a situation, marry Christ. God will take you as you are. Christ wants you. He gave his life for you. He wants to redeem you. He wants to save you. He wants to sanctify you. He wants to cleanse you. He wants to heal you. He does not want you to stay in the filth and the pig pen of the world. He wants to clean you up. And mostly, he just wants to love you. He doesn't want to change you. He doesn't want to put demands on you. He just wants to love you. You too can marry Jesus today. Jesus suffered and he died and he was buried for us. And on the third day, he rose again that we should never perish, never perish. He holds each one of us in the palm of his hands and he never takes his eyes off us. He loves us completely and entirely, and he actually knows us better than we even know ourselves. I mean, some of y'all, if you're like me, don't even know where your keys are sometimes. Like, how can anyone lock themselves out of their own house more times than me? Like, please, Lord, do not let that be my, (laughs) don't let that be my ending. (laughs) I have got to figure out a better way to do keys. So... Anyways, but I did get the key to my heart right. I gave Christ the keys to my heart. 
I am saved. I am going to heaven. And I invite you to join me. I am she, married to Jesus. What's up, party people? It's your girl. I'm she, married to Jesus. Thanks for listening to another episode of the MJ Podcast. I am she, married to Jesus on Instagram is my handle. And I hope you are having a fabulous holiday weekend. It is beautiful here in Memphis, Tennessee. As I like to say, Memphis is the West Coast of the East Coast. And I say that because there are days, you know, we obviously are here on the Mississippi River, but if you are down in that area or even just driving around the city, because we are a river city, 
There are days, and trust me, the Mississippi is big. If you have never seen the Mississippi River, that is a trip you need to make in your lifetime. Whether No matter where you live, um, whatever part of the United States of America that you live in, it is a sight worth seeing. It is a sight to behold. I love going over the bridge here in Memphis now that it's back open and seeing it. And crazily enough, my sister and I drove over that bridge. It was right after I moved to Memphis. And that was when the when everything flooded. And so the water was up. It was bizarre. It was crazy, y'all. We were looking like it looked like the ocean. And my sister and I were like, oh, like looking at each other. And we were like, I hope we're going to be able to get back over. Like we didn't know, but we were already on the bridge. It was too late. We couldn't get off. So, with a river that big in this beautiful river city, the great city of Memphis, Tennessee, that has so much soul to it, um, I do hope you will see that. And that's why I say there are um, days where you will feel like you're at the ocean or you're at the beach or you're just on vacation because the weather can be so temperate and mild and cool. um, And there's just some really beautiful days here. So... Anyways, God bless you. Enjoy your holiday. Whatever you do, make sure you rest and relax and spend some time with your family and the people you love. Um, Take it easy if you can. I know a lot of people are working and kudos. Praise the Lord. Thank God you have a job.